Have you ever wondered what will the day of judgment be like? You can only begin to imagine something of that day. As those who have confessed faith in Jesus Christ, we look forward to a day when we'll be received to be with the Lord. But it will be a day of utter catastrophe. Catastrophe that we cannot fathom. A catastrophe that awaits the ungodly. For the believer, there will be entering into the joy of the presence of the Lord. But for those who are not right with God, who are not truly committed to Jesus Christ, who have rejected the gospel or are relying on their own efforts by some way, unremitting disaster and gloom is all that awaits. There will be crying out to the Lord, but it will be too late. The day of judgment has already come upon the earth once, and it points us to that greater day that is to come. And as we read Genesis chapter 7, we need to recognize that something of the turmoil and of what we read here is pointing us to something of the greater turmoil that will come at the last day. And yet, the focus of the passage is really the salvation that comes through Noah. Uh, or to Noah from the hand of God. And he is saved in the very midst of the turbulence of the waters. We can't begin to imagine the the foaming masses of water, the deluge of the earth. No doubt, uh, and it's likely there were winds as well, as those... uh, Geezers of the earth gushed up their water and also as the rain came down. True catastrophe, devastating everything. So as we turn here, we see judgment and salvation. Noah, however, had found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah, under God's direction, had prepared the ark. And there it is, sitting in the desert, or at least in a plain, open for all to view. But the people had not been moved, nor thought anything about it. And now the day has come when Noah is called to enter in. And as we think about Noah, I want to think uh, of the three areas here, first of all, we're going to think about Noah entering into the ark. Then we're going to think about him obeying and his obedience and being in the ark. And then the security of the ark at the very end. And in that we'll focus a little more also on the judgment. But first of all, there is a call to enter in. The word of the Lord had come to Noah, build an ark construct this great boat. Uh, And Noah had been obedient to every word of God. He had not changed the design or the plans. He had simply taken the word of God. He had carried out the project to the best of his ability. But Noah might have wondered, Lord, 
I'm finished. Uh, just a brush of paint here and a bit uh, of something there, but the ark's ready. When is this going to be needed? Now God comes and said, Noah, the time has come. The time has come for you to enter into this ark, that you will be saved. And as we think about him entering in, there are three particular things I want to focus on as we think about that. Noah is to go into the ark with his family. It wasn't just Noah himself, but Noah's family. And the reason given is because Noah had found been found righteous in God's sight. And in a sense, here we see household salvation. As a righteous man, Noah has had impact on his family. And it has pleased God that Noah's wife, their three sons, and their wives should all enter into the ark. They are all going to be saved. Noah had been a man who had spoken clearly and distinctly to them. We're not told of any rebellion. His wife doesn't say, well, I'm not going in. I don't believe a word of this. His children, the three sons and their wives, didn't rebel. Over the period of the construction of the ark, they, with Noah, had obviously come to realize we'll need to be in this ark. We need to follow our Father's word. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And again, in verse 9, we're told that Noah was a righteous man and blameless among the people of his time. That was back in chapter 6. Noah again and again, his righteousness shines out. And now God says, I'm going to save you. Get into the ark. And Noah and his family were not going to... uh, disobey such a call. He'd worked on that for years. Enter in you and your family. In this way, it mirrors the gospel today. The word of God comes to men and women today to enter into Christ. And it tells you to do it today. The call comes to you and to me in the midst of our sin and of our wickedness. However, it is clear the message is spoken. Repent and believe and you will find God favorable. For he has sent his Son that you might be saved. And we look back on Christ and his death and the cross and we know that through him and him alone, Our sin is dealt with. And you're called to enter in by faith to Jesus. Trust in Him. How wonderful it is when we read in Scripture that there are those who come to faith and it brings salvation to their households because through the witness of the Father the others are brought to faith. We think of the man like the Philippian jailer when he heard the message, what happened? He and his household were baptized. He said to his family, look, this is the only way. And they followed him in faith. Household salvation comes 
through families. But of course, it's not always the case. Grace does not run in the blood. But how often God is pleased through the righteous people in one family to extend his grace to many in that family. What a joy. But we should never take it for granted. And those righteous people will pray that children and grandchildren will come to their own place of trusting fully, of entering into Christ and putting all on him. Men, you are the heads of your homes. What kind of religion do your children see? Do they see you committed? Do they know that Jesus Christ means all to you? Do your wives, do your children follow your faith because they know that you take it so seriously? It is the very thing that matters most in life. Everything else It has a place, but the priority is salvation in Jesus Christ. We are called, men particularly are called to be men trusting in God. And God will bless men who really believe. It doesn't mean there will not be disappointments with family members. However, the example needs to be set The call is to enter in and to enter in and encourage and bring the family with you. Secondly, as we think about going into the ark, I want to speak about Noah being asked to bring in uh, clean animals. He was to take clean animals in with him. Seems a strange thing in one way, but God is very clear in what Noah is to do. He has given him these instructions. Noah was going on a voyage. He was going on a journey. He didn't know where. He didn't know where he'd end up in the ark. But he needed to take certain things with him. Just as you and I, when we're going on holiday, packing the case is always a bit of a difficulty. Um, What do you take? What do you leave? And what do you not need? And of course it depends where you're going. Whenever you finish the journey out to your holiday resort, the destination dictates what's in the suitcase. If you're going skiing, you'll hardly take a sun top. What was Noah to take with him? Well, Noah had already been told. In fact, it's repeated and again and again and little bits are added each time. In chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, he had been told to bring two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive. Verse 20 of chapter 6, the birds of every kind and animal that moves along the ground. In verse 21 of chapter 6, he is told to take food that is to be eaten to it. There's a store for himself and his animals. The, the ark is being packed for this voyage. Now, however, God repeats the command to Noah in chapter 7 and he tells him to go into the ark and the first thing that he says is, take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a meal and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a meal and its mate. 
But why did Noah need clean animals? Why does God make a distinction here? The answer is because when Noah arrived at his destination, there would have to be sacrifice to God. And the only sacrifice that is of any value to God is one that is clean and pure. God is telling Noah, bring with you animals that will be acceptable in my sight. And Noah was righteous in the sight of God, but he wasn't perfect. And he would have to offer up sacrifice for his sin and seek again the face of God. The Lord instructs Noah in this way, shows him the need for continuing looking to God in God's way through the sacrifice. And of course, that sacrifice of the animals, of clean animals, goes on after Noah's day, is formulated more and more as we come to Abraham, to the temple, and the following religion of Israel, the the clean animal, acceptable to God. Where does that direct your attention to? It directs you and me to the one and only one who is righteous, to Jesus Christ, that perfect man who gave himself a lamb without blemish, who gave his life for sin, that we might be saved. And it reminds us that we are to enter into him by faith. And he is the sacrifice we are to plead before God. What I bring, what you bring is worthless. But what Jesus Christ has offered of himself will bring salvation to all who truly seek him. So we need to come into salvation entering in by faith. Entering in with Christ in our hearts day by day, knowing that he is the clean one, the righteous one who gave his life for us. Thirdly, I want to note, just as we think about God telling Noah to enter in at the time of the flood, because Noah is actually told seven days, in seven days' time, God is going to send rain for forty days and forty nights, And with the flood will come the Lord's judgment, waiting, uh, wiping clean the face of the earth. Every living creature, the earth is going to be made clean. Seven days. Bit of an urgency on. Just a week to go. And there's quite a bit still to do. You have to get all these animals into the ark. Have to make sure there's enough food as God has directed Noah now sees the urgency. And as the people walking around around him saw him go into the ark and the animals board the ark, they could see something strange happening. But do any of them ask to come on board? No, not one. We're not told of anyone who cried out, Noah, can I come too? Because they were wicked and had no idea of what was coming. But no one knew. Seven days there's going to be flood. Doesn't look like it. The sun's shining today. The ground is dry. 
Not a cloud in the sky. But in seven days, all that is going to change. So Noah, having built the ark at the mockery of those around him, now knows that the time has come. He has preached to the people around him as he battered the nails into the boards of the ark. Every hammer blow was a message to the ungodly. The day of judgment is coming. And friends, the day of judgment is coming. The day of Christ is coming. And we need to keep before the minds of men and women the reality that it will come. God doesn't tell us it's going to come in a week or a month or a few years. He doesn't need to tell you that. Because today, he says, is the day of salvation. He doesn't need to tell the ungodly that because he calls to them through the word every time they hear the name Jesus. He is Savior. And you do not know what a day will bring forth for you. So it's today. That's the urgency of the message. It's not in a week's time. It's not in a month's time. But it's today that you need to deal with your soul. Because there will be a day that will come when there will be no more days. No more weeks. Not even an hour nor a second. Jesus Christ will come in glory. Just as the floods came upon the earth as the well of water spilled up and the rain suddenly came down and washed the earth. The day of judgment of God will come in a flash and it will be done. Have you entered in? you come to Christ? Are you ready for that day? Don't put it off to tomorrow. Every single day you see the hearse going down the street. Read the, the death notices. Some of them sudden, some of them in old age. But the reality is you don't know when that day is. So today needs to be the day you call upon the Lord and enter into Christ, for He is the only Savior. As we think about entering in, I want to think secondly just a bit, a little bit about the obedience of entering in. We continue reading Noah's story. Verses 5 through to 17, Noah is obedient. He enters into the ark. At that time, Noah had reached the ripe old age of 600 years. Remember, people lived longer in those days. But that lifespan has already been cut. And it would be cut more. The reason that Noah was called and that he enters in is very clear. Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives enter into the ark to escape, to escape the waters of the flood. And you need to escape. And there's only one place to escape for the person today who's in sin, and that is in Christ. They've already made that appeal in view of the judgment. But there is an escape to be had in Jesus. Noah found it in the ark with all the other animals that God had appointed. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, birds and creatures that move along the ground, male and female. 
God brought them together. It's interesting to note that Noah was obedient. God moved him in his soul to enter the ark. God brings the animals. Some people in their foolishness ask, how did Noah get the animals all rounded up? Noah didn't. God did. How did Noah himself enter the ark? Because God was at work in him. But as we think about this obedience of entering in, I want you to note that as Noah entered into the ark to be saved from the waters of destruction, God shut him in. Sometimes wonder if you see the uh, uh, mock-up of, an, of the ark and the size it was and the, the door that sort of formed a ramp. How did Noah ever get that huge big ramp pulled up and closed? People might ask that. Well, no doubt Noah was, would have been able to organize some pulley system and maybe get an elephant or two to pull it close, but that's not what happened. We're told specifically in verse 16, then the Lord shut him in. And friends, that's significant because Noah was under God's care. God shut him in. God was keeping him God was preserving him. As the ark tossed about on the waters, as the whole earth bubbled up, and as it's moved here and there, and as the floods came down and washed it here and there, God's hand was in the ark. He was shut in. He was preserved. It wasn't simply the wooden boards that kept Noah safe. It was the hand of God that shut him in. And he was they're secure because of that. Man in his arrogance might say, I'll be fine in the waves. I will manage fine. We have had that, of course, with the Titanic. Man in his arrogance saying, this book will never be sunk. First voyage down she went, caused by an iceberg. God sliced through man's arrogance and told him, look, but I can do whatever I want. You need to be shut in with God. And what a picture that is for the believer. Friends, in Jesus Christ, you're shut in by him, to him. Jesus tells us that you are, God has given you into his hand. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. You're shut in to Jesus when you come to him by faith. It doesn't matter about the storms of life that come. All the the topsy-turvy world in which we live, the wickedness that we have to face up to and stand against, that will be be difficult for us. It will be a, a time of persecution even may come. But if you're shut in to Christ by God, you're secure. And Satan can't get at you. And even though the persecutor may take your life away in this world as he does and has done for some believers, you're still with Christ and you'll be with him in glory. For the worst your enemy Satan can do is simply issue you into the immediate presence of the Lord. You're shut in to the glory of God. The world may look as though They can deal with all around them. 
They may go around thinking they can manage without God. But on the day of judgment, only those who are shut in by faith in Jesus Christ will be secure. The rest will be wiped away. So I want to encourage you who believe, put your confidence utterly, fully, uh, and have assurance in Jesus Christ. He is Lord. Without Him, there is nothing. In Him, you have all you will ever, ever need. And even though this world is in turmoil and against you, He will be with you. Thirdly, I want to just mention and continue that theme, thinking about the safety of entering in, because there is such security as we're shut in to God. Noah enters in with his family, with the animals as God directs. And what happens when he enters in? He's in the ark. God has closed the ark up. And the waters begin to deluge the earth. The very mountains are covered to a depth that we are told of more than 20 feet. The consequence of the flood and the design of God is that the world will be wiped clean. But Noah is safe in the ark. He is secure. But as opposed to that, just note what happens in the earth. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Who breathed life into man? God did. When he formed the man, he breathed into him. Gave him the very breath of life. That he should live for God, glorify God, honor God. And here's God in his righteous judgment dealing with sinful man and he takes the very breath that he has given to man away from him because that man and woman have rejected him and have acted in utter sinfulness. A direct consequence of man's sinful disobedience to God is his removal from the earth. Death. Noah and his family are the only ones who breathe that are saved. And the emphasis here is on death. It is spoken of in verse 21, repeated in 22, and again in 23. Every living thing on the face of the earth is being wiped out. The animals, the creatures, the birds of the air even. Everything that moved on the face of the earth, gone. Everything that had the breath of life in its nostrils, and that includes men and women, in their sin. The day of judgment, those who are without Christ will be gone from us, from those who are in Christ, separated to their own place, into the pit of eternal condemnation. But there is safety and security in Jesus. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. What an amazing day for Noah. 
in the midst of God's judgment upon the earth, he was saved. And friends, whenever Jesus Christ went to the cross, God's judgment was on the earth. God poured out his wrath on Christ. And whosoever believes in the name of Jesus and trusts fully in him are safe. But the wrath that he poured out on Christ for us who love Jesus and serve him is still going to be poured out on those who do not love him and who have rejected him, who are out there in the world and have never entered into Christ. And when Jesus comes again, it will be poured out. It's a solemn word of truth. There is no safety anywhere except in Jesus Christ. Friends, we're living in the days of grace. God could easily and readily have wiped the earth clean before now and sent Jesus to because of the wickedness of men. But His grace is not to be taken for a lack of action. The day will come whenever the judgment will fall. God calls you to enter in. He says, come to Christ. Come by faith. Come to Him who is the perfect sacrifice for your sin. You don't know when judgment will come. Come now. Come to Him in obedience. And enter into the safety and security of eternal life that he provides.